Music makes me feel alive in so many ways, whether it's an upbeat way, whether it's music that makes me want to dance, whether it's music that just kind of gives me that sense of correlation, that sense of reflection. If I'm feeling a particular mood, and I can listen to a certain song, and it just it feels like there's somebody out there who's sharing the same feelings, same ideas, same thoughts as me. Hello listener, my name is V, the voice of Pod, and I am the host of Podcaster. Podcaster is a show where I ask podcast creators a number of random questions. Then they give spontaneous, open and honest answers about life and the podcast they have created. Hello Podcaster. Hello V, how are you? Please introduce yourself and your podcast to our listeners. Ah, okay, this is always a difficult bit, isn't it, introducing yourself. Uh, so my name is Mal Foster, that would be a good start, start with the name, always a, always a good place to begin. Um, and I am the host, creator, producer, all-round person that tinkers about and creates the podcast known as Dined Out. Thank you for joining us, Mal. How are you today? Yeah, thanks. Oh, well, thank you for having me, V. Um, I'm pretty good, I'm pretty good, and uh, yeah... Uh, today's been alright so far, um, haven't really done a great deal, so that leaves a great big blank canvas for me to create something wonderful, hopefully with you today. Are you ready? I certainly am V, give me your best shot. Great, let's begin. What is your podcast about? Ah, uh, okay. This is, this is a difficult one, um, and it doesn't really get any easier the more I'm asked. Um, basically, Dined Out, the podcast I do, is what I've referred to as an anthropological journey. It's an exploration of all the different threads and dimensions that make this life that we are in a weird and wonderful place. So it's an exploration, yeah, of, of different things. It could be lifestyles, it could be... Uh, everyday things like social media kind of digging in a little bit deeper it could be uh, lesser known chapters of history could be weird internet finds that i discover um yeah pretty much anything and everything it's uh, it's really hard to sort of pinpoint exactly what it's about other than just yeah anything and everything that kind of takes my fancy and that i find engaging or i find to be important that needs to be talked about or I want to learn more about, essentially. What do you hope people take away from listening to your podcast? Oh, that's a good question. Um, two things, really, ultimately. Uh, the first being a sense of identification, because ultimately, I think as human beings, we are all on some level looking for a sense of connection. We all need to be needed, we all want to be loved, we all want to be seen, heard and understood. So the main thing, or one of the two main things I hope people take away from listening to Dined Out is a sense of, of yeah, recognition, of reflection, whether it be a case of, oh, this guy kind of gets who I am, this guy sounds like me, this guy kind of thinks like me, this guy is interested in the same things as me, or this topic is something that appeals to me, this is something I'm interested in, this is something I've wanted to look into but haven't really had the time or motivation to dive into. Um, yeah, a sense of, of recognition, really. A sense of, um, 
yeah, being able to listen to something and and feel a sense of reflection or representation or some sort of connection to it, you know, whatever it may be, whether that's a subject or whether that's me in my role as a presenter. The other thing is to learn more, really, you know, about things that maybe they are interested in or things that they have no idea what they even are. Some people have told me that they didn't even know certain topics that I've covered on the show were even a thing until they've discovered the episode and then they've they've learned a little bit about it and then gone on to discover more themselves. So yeah, ultimately a sense of connection, a sense of reflection, representation and uh, an opportunity to learn and sort of expand all our collective view of the world, I guess. (laughs) When did you last feel happy? Oh, that's a deep question, V. Oh, okay. So truth be told, um, I think like a lot of people over the last year and a half, it's been quite the emotional roller coaster. Um, and on top of having to deal with the current circumstance that we're all in, I've also had to deal with emigrating to a new country in the last two years and a new country with a lot of restrictions because of the current situation. So my world as a whole has been a lot smaller than it's ever been. And so that's kind of had a little bit of uh, a bit of a toll on me at times. And I have kind of struggled a lot on and off in the last two years. But recently I got to go back to the UK. Um after emigrating to the US two years ago, I got to go back to the UK for the first time in two years. And I got to spend about six weeks there in surroundings that I know, uh, with people that I know and that I love. And just, uh, I was given a real opportunity to sort of separate myself from a lot of the stuff that I've been dealing with and just recharge and just kind of disconnect in a healthy way from a lot of the things that have kind of been moving around in, in a sort of cyclical fashion, mentally and emotionally. So, yeah, pretty recently um, was when I felt really happy last, about four weeks ago. And that still continued. That's That wave of, of somewhat euphoria is, is still uh, riding me through at the minute. So, What animal would you want to be reincarnated as? Um, oh... This is a difficult one, because what do you pick? I have a huge affinity for bears. I absolutely love bears. I think they're just powerful, majestic, graceful creatures. Um, I love them so much. But you think about a bear, and it's kind of got some limitations. If you're going to be reincarnated, if you're going to get a second stab at life, you want to have a, a much broader sense of freedom. And so I think a bird but it would probably be a larger bird of prey because, you know, coming back as a pigeon or a seagull, yeah, you've got the ability to fly places, but you are (laughs) kind of lower down in the food chain and uh, that second life might not last that long. So I'm going to say an eagle. It's not the most original answer, but you do get a whole new perspective, a a whole new view of the world. You get an incredible sense of freedom and uh, you're less likely to be just picked out of the air by a larger bird. So, yeah, eagle. Movie or TV show? 
movie easy that one's i mean i say easy because there's some incredible tv shows and in the last like 15 years tv has really upped its game as, a, as an art form and a medium but for me it's movies every time um from a very young age from going to the cinema and looking at and this is going to date me terribly but looking at an analog projector spooling um the movie through a lens onto the big screen and just looking at the sort of cone of light that sort of took it from one place to another and put like a tiny image on a big screen just encaptured my mind uh, and just, yeah, just really turned me into like a curious cinephile from a very early age um, and, and films very much in my DNA of who I am as a person. So no shade to TV because there's some great stuff out there. But yeah, give me a, give me a full movie experience anytime. Describe your podcast in three words. Oh, that's a tricky one. In three words. I have a hard enough time with free reign. Um, infinitely curious is two words that has been becoming... Two, it's, infinitely curious has kind of become a sort of slogan for the show. It's kind of become almost a mantra. I don't want to say a catchphrase, but it's, it's definitely, I think, at the very heart of Dined Out is the idea of, of looking further afield and, and looking in, in more depth at things that I know a little bit about and then looking into the doorway of things I've never heard of before. And it really is sort of perpetuating my desire to learn more about the world and its numerous dimensions. So infinitely curious, I guess is a two, unless you want to stick a hyphen on, but I won't cheat. I'll class that as two. Um, and then... Hopeful, I think, is another one, because this show that I do, the podcast I do, was born out of the pandemic at a time where I needed something to create, to keep me going, to keep me motivated and to keep me hopeful that there was going to be a sense of light at the end of the very uncertain tunnel that I and everybody else was in at the time. And hopefully no pun intended, um, it's given a little bit of that to other people that listen to it as well, you know, that there is uh, hope in these uncertain times and that there is hope to expand our collective consciousness, uh, our collective emotional intelligence and our overall intellect and, and curiosity, you know, hopeful that there is somebody <laughs> looking into weird things and wonderful things and sharing them and giving that sense of of hope that, okay, there is more than what is going on right now. What is your favourite smell? <laughs> oh man, the spectrum of questions here is brilliant. I love it. Um, I can tell you exactly what my favourite smell is and it is extremely specific. It is a perfume by a company called Ghost. And I, I actually can't remember the name of it now, but the bottle is in like a a moon crescent. It's, um, you know, like, I think that's the shape that I'm thinking of. It's like not a full round moon, but it's kind of like where the moon is kind of chunked out and it's kind of like a banana shape, <laughs> a crescent. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's by Ghost and it's in, in that. I think it's called Midnight Something. I'm not entirely sure, but the bottle is purple. And I remember smelling that when I was 19 and it has stuck with me for like 
many years, not to put too fine a point on how old I am, but it's been with me and my <laughs> my sense of being for, for some time. Um, and if I smelled it again, just in passing, I would recognise it instantly. What scared you as a child? Oh, um... How deep do you want to get with this? Because I could go surface level and tell you about a giant teddy bear I had that used to sit on a chair in my bedroom um, and I had to have it removed because it was absolutely nightmare inducing. Even though I knew exactly what it was, it was the silhouette. It used to scare the heck out of me as a kid. But um, I guess to go a little bit deeper, and why not? Let's just roll with it. Let's be vulnerable and transparent and honest. Um, A sense of not being worthy. I had a very difficult, and by difficult I mean practically non-existent relationship with my father as a child, and that kind of sowed some seeds for adolescence of, of kind of inadequacy, and even imposter syndrome to a point. So yeah, as a kid, I mean I had a very stable upbringing with my mum and my grandma, but yeah, having that happen to me at an early age and still being in that formative process, um, yeah, the idea of not being good enough was was something that did actually scare me as a kid a little bit. That and cats, but I got over the cat thing. <laughs> Work hard or play hard? Both. It doesn't have to be either or. And this is something I'm still kind of getting to grasps with in an actual fashion, in, in actuality, in a practical, pragmatic sense. But yeah, absolutely, you can work hard and play hard. There have been periods of time, um, especially doing Dimed Out in this last season, where I've worked a lot harder than I've played. And it can make you feel miserable sometimes, you know. You can still enjoy what you're doing, but when it kind of consumes you and you work too hard, it really kind of strips the rest of your time away. I'm a huge believer in, in what I refer to as the balance, and this is a prime example of it. Yeah, absolutely work hard, especially if it's a, trying to achieve something that means a lot to you or it's something that you've got your your eyes set on. Um, if it's something that really is of significance and importance to you, absolutely put the hours in, graft, grind, work away. But always, always, always leave time for you and for things you enjoy and things that are completely unwork related you need to because otherwise you just burn yourself out and it no longer becomes something you enjoy working just becomes a grind to the point where there's no sort of redeeming features and it just feels like you're trapped but on the same hand if you play too hard you don't get things done and you don't achieve the things that you really want to pursue so yeah both um and it's difficult sort of fine-tuning the balance, but it's always important to have it at the forefront of your head to be like, we need to find uh, some sort of even space here. We need to kind of sub-balance and moderate both of these things to be, to be happy and to be healthy. Uh, so, yeah, I think both, but in, in as equal measure as you can possibly get to, to create the balance. What three episodes of your podcast would you recommend to new subscribers? Ooh, three episodes. Um, 
whittling it down to three is a little bit difficult because there's a lot that I have done that I've loved. And that's not being arrogant. That is just believing in what I'm doing and enjoying what I'm doing. Um, but to whittle it down to three, um, the first would be from the first season. And I think you would have to double check this. But if you subscribe, you'll be able to see it in the feed for yourself. I think it's season one, episode five. The episode is called Schoolie Life and Banana Island. And that was with one of my very first guests, uh, a young man called Tanner, who sadly, since recording the episode, has passed away at a tragically young age. But that episode is one I would highly recommend for a number of reasons. Without getting too much into the actual content of the episode, Tanner was in the process of converting a school bus into a, a house, a home that he could live in and take wherever he wanted. Um, I used to work with Tanner in a capacity online and I caught wind of this project he was doing and I was really curious to pick his brains about sort of nomadic living and the whole process of converting a bus into basically a home. And the episode was great. We, we kind of got into his reasons for doing it. We kind of got into his sort of free spirit as a person and his energy as a person is just kind of infectious, even though he's no longer with us. It's something that if you listen to, you can kind of just pick up on, on who he is and just that, that real sense of spirit and adventure that came from him. Um, and it was just an incredible project. You know, the idea of kind of leaving all of the social constructs and norms that we have behind for a sense of pure freedom and just complete autonomy and uh, individual independence is amazing. And he, he was just a really, really brilliant person. Um, and I mean, it's worth listening to just for him, but to listen to his story, to listen to some of the chapters in his life, and to listen to this amazing sort of objective that he had for himself, generally inspiring, even if you've no intention of ever leaving the comfort of your home, the idea of just being uninhibited and just being completely unapologetically you is, is amazing. And it's something that I've, I've wanted to kind of capture some of that essence in the show ever since recording that episode. So yeah, season one, episode five. Um, the other two episodes, I would say, are from this current season, season three. Um, in particular, and I think, again, you'd have to check the numbers. I think it's season three, episode 11 which is the first of a two-part conversation with a former member of QAnon. And that was incredibly insightful and eye-opening because we've all heard of QAnon. We've all seen the headlines. We've all seen the crazy conspiracies and the belief structures and the sort of tenets of that belief. But to actually sit down with somebody that was in it, that was really immersed in it, who had gone from one side of the political spectrum and aisle to the polar opposite, and then had found their way out and is now working as an advocate for sort of cult recovery programs. It was, it was one of the sort of most profound moments I've had doing this show since I started it, because it really put me in a pair of shoes that I didn't even know existed, to be honest. And that was just a glimpse into a completely different life. And to talk to somebody and to talk to somebody that's been in such an extreme situation and has had 
a pretty extreme belief structure for a, a part of their life. To talk to them and to hear them speak so eloquently with empathy, not apathy, but with understanding and care and emotional intelligence and general intelligence. It was generally really quite eye-opening to sort of have that be a, a part of my life, even just for a brief moment. So, yeah, I would highly recommend that. The, the third episode is also from season three, and it's episode nine. And it was an impromptu episode that I had no plans on doing, that I didn't even think of doing. But it was kind of like an emergency episode. As I mentioned before, I've emigrated to the US about two years ago. And during the pandemic and getting used to a whole new culture, new way of life, um, the absence of everything that I've ever known in terms of, sort of cultural and philosophical being in a day-to-day -day sense and in a much broader spectrum, has been a lot to take on. And there's been a lot going on. Outwardly, there's been a lot going on beneath the surface, and I, I had a period where things were really quite rough, and I was going back to the earlier question of work hard, play hard, working way too hard on a number of projects, including uh, Dined Out, and I was just trying to escape all the things that I wasn't allowing myself to feel. So season three, episode nine, is a bit of a unique conceptual episode where I am both the interviewer and the guest, and I am talking to myself in one of the most frank, open, earnest, transparent conversations I've ever had with myself in my 30 plus years of existence. Um, and it was difficult to do. It was really difficult at times to confront some of the truths that I'd been running away from, that I hadn't acknowledged, and it was just a genuinely cathartic experience to actually talk to myself out loud, but to also to listen to myself in playback when putting the episode together. Um, yeah, it was, it was something that I really desperately needed, that I didn't know I needed, but once it was done and it was out there, it was, it was incredible. Um, and when I mentioned earlier about people being able to connect and relate and see some sense of reflection in the work I'm doing with Dined Out, that's a prime example. And although it's a difficult one for me to, to have done, it's one I'm incredibly proud of. And hopefully that whether you are an expat or not, if you are going through some kind of seismic change, if you are going through a series of moments, if you are going through a, an overwhelming feeling of, of dread or anxiety, or if you're just dealing with something in which you haven't been able to confront for a while, my hope is that season three, episode nine, talking to myself is, is something that will help people in that situation the way it helped me. So yeah, those are my three that I would recommend. How does music make you feel? Alive, V, alive. Outside of being a huge cinephile, music is the other part of my personal DNA. I absolutely love music. It is hardwired into me, thanks to my grandmother, who used to just play it constantly. Anytime we were doing the dishes, anytime she had a free moment around the house, doing housework or what have you, she would play music, and it just it built it into who I am. Music makes me feel alive in so many ways, whether it's 
an upbeat way, whether it's music that makes me want to dance, whether it's music that just kind of gives me that sense of correlation, that sense of reflection. If I'm feeling a particular mood and I can listen to a certain song and it just it feels like there's somebody out there who's sharing the same feelings, same ideas, same thoughts as me. Um, it's life affirming. It really is. I cannot imagine a life without music. It doesn't even bear thinking about. So yeah, alive is how music makes me feel, V. Do you compare yourself to others? Yeah, not as much as I used to. Um, but I think it's a trait that we all do, you know, to, to various levels and degrees. I think it's just part of the human condition, really, to compare ourselves. I don't compare myself on a materialistic sense. Materials really don't have much sort of bearing on me. I'm not, I'm not a capitalist of, of any means. I'm not somebody that needs this, that, and the other, needs the latest version of this phone or these shoes or what have you. Um, so I don't ever compare myself to people on a materialistic front, but I guess just in terms of well-being, you know, um, I'll see some people that seem to have their stuff together, that seem genuinely happy, that seem content, that seem to be thriving, um, particularly within creative fields, although I'm getting better at that as well. But I will see other people that are sort of aspiring writers uh, doing well for themselves. And I think it's just the creative person's curse to be like, the moment you see someone doing well, your initial reaction is like, oh God, why is it them and not me? But I am getting better at that. And actually doing the podcast has really helped me with that. Because I think like a lot of people, when you first start this, there is a sense of like, oh, there's so many other podcasts out there and you obviously want yours to do well. So you kind of get a little bit of um, metric jealousy when you see so-and-so has reached so many uh, downloads or listens or they've hit that milestone. But the more you kind of begin to detach yourself from that, the more fun just being creative and being a person is. The more you can kind of see opportunity for collaboration and for enabling others' talent and for being able to combine what you can bring to the table with what somebody else has to offer, the better the world is in, in a creative and just a general sense. So, yeah, there is that instinctual comparison trait. But I am beginning to mould that more into a, how can I work with this person? What could we do together? Um, and also just feeling, allowing myself to feel happy for other people that are being successful in what they do and what they're pursuing. What can't you give up? Uh, um, <laughs> at times, I would have maybe have said working, uh, you know, going back to work hard, play hard. There's definitely been pockets of my life where I haven't been able to give up working on projects where just stubbornness and sort of uh, just that ragged sense of I have to get this done has kind of overtaken parts of my life, but I'm beginning to let that go a little bit. In terms of things that I can't truly give up, definitely music is in there. Films, just art, overall expression. Um, because for somebody that is somebody that is, is a little bit not quite as well wide in terms of mass socialization with other people. I love people, but it can be a little bit hard to be around them, especially in large groups for any amount of time. Um, having 
sort of mediums of expression, whether it is a podcast, whether it's writing a book, whether it's tinkering about and making music, is a, a way for me to communicate in, in a very pure essence. Some of the things that I maybe can't in, in a more direct fashion. So, yeah, just general sort of general art as a whole and, and the ability to sort of throw myself into creative endeavours. If I didn't have a creative endeavour of some kind, I think I may actually slowly unravel to the point of no return. So, yeah, <laughs> I think for my general well-being, art and creative endeavours is something I can't give up. Do you find it easy to express your opinion? Oh, that is a timely question. Um, Yes and no. To sort of uh, elaborate on my previous answer, on a one-on-one -on -one situation, it depends on who it is I'm talking to. Um, and it also depends on what the opinion is in question. Uh, sometimes I can be overly vocal about things. Sometimes I shouldn't be, or that could cause, not offence, but could ruffle some feathers that people might not want to talk about in, in polite society, whatever that phrase even means. Um, sometimes I have absolutely no problem doing that. But if it's just an opinion on something mundane, if it's small talk, if it's just general chit chat, if it's an opinion about, oh, I don't know, something that I really don't know much about or have any interest in, I find it difficult. Um, I can't really generate conversation for the sake of it. It kind of needs to feel like there has to be a purpose or there is an enthusiasm or a passion or a fire of some kind behind it. And if there is, then yeah, I'm, I'm perfectly uh, more than capable of expressing my opinion in that sense. Um, but as I said, usually my opinions kind of tend to find themselves filtered through different creative projects. So whether it's conversations that I'm having on Dimed Out or it's uh, writing projects I'm working on or whatever, whatever sort of artistic sort of medium is is sort of happening with me at the time. Um, I will I will do it through that way. Like a good example is during the pandemic, I actually made a short film called Inside. And at the time of making it, I really didn't see that it was actually expressing my opinion on the situation as a whole. I didn't realise how much I was pouring myself into that, how much actuality and truth there was going into the making of that and the content of it until I stepped back and rewatched it a few months ago and thought, wow, I was actually saying a lot more through this than I think I have done verbally to people about like how I was doing my emotional and mental state. So yeah, I think it's easier to kind of express my opinion, my thoughts, feelings, um, an internal sort of status through extensions, through through art, through writing, through making things, um, which is is healthy in one way because it's an outlet, but um, not the most practical, I think, in real time. So that is something to work on for sure. How adventurous are you? A lot more than I was, say, six years ago. Um, turning thirty or on the verge of turning 30, really unlocked a completely new chamber in my personality and who I am. I suffered for a number of years with anxiety and deep depression, like on a big level. And uh, I was never agoraphobic, but I, I really didn't have much desire to get out and see things and do things. The phrase I've used in the past was I was very comfortable in my discomfort. 
I had reached a point where I was like, well, I guess this is it. And I was kind of numb to it and kind of accepting of it. But at the age of 29, as I was about to tick over into 30, um, I was given actually a diagnosis of type 2 diabetes because it wasn't just a sort of mental manifestation of that mindset, but a physical one. And I put on a lot of weight and I went to the doctors with certain symptoms. They gave me a prognosis of type 2 diabetes and something just clicked in me. And it was like, you need to do something because otherwise your life is going to end a lot sooner and also it's going to get a lot harder. You know, I envisioned constant medical procedures and treatments, the possibility of an amputation. You know, that sort of, um, it triggered a sense of fear, I guess. And this is a good example of when fear can be a really healthy emotion because it can kind of motivate you to improve and do better and be better. So, yeah, getting that prognosis, it kind of gave me that, that immediate understanding of like, this is a time to change or to just accept what you've done, what has happened, what has been done to you because of your neurochemistry, uh, a mix of all of those things, uh, and, and just kind of see yourself go on a, on a nosedive from this point. Or you can try and be proactive. You can try and turn things around and you can try and see that there is more to this uh, level of acceptance in your discomfort. So yeah, 29 just completely unlocked a new chamber to me and it made me a lot more adventurous. So that year I worked as much as I could. I saved as much money as I could, got myself in a healthier place mentally, emotionally, physically, and took the money that I'd saved for a year and went traveling across the US for the very first time by myself, my very first solo adventure. And I went coast to coast. And uh, admittedly, I burnt through a lot more money than I should have done in a lot quicker time. But it is truly without any sense of um, hyperbolic overinflation here. It is a truly life changing situation for me, that, that trip, because it showed me that there is much more to life than I'd experienced for a number of years, that I was capable of challenging my demons, that I was capable of showing myself I can do more, I can be more, and that there's, there's just so much out there. So, yeah, and since then, it's really just kind of made me want to do more and be more and see more, um, which is partly why the podcast is the way it is, why it's so sort of inquisitive and curious and explorative, um, but it's also made me just really want to get out there and see as much as possible, you know, when it's safe to do so. So, yeah. Uh, really quite adventurous now, whereas uh, six, seven years ago, completely not at all. Batman or Superman? Oh, d dude, this is easy. Batman. I mean, look, he doesn't have a superpower. His superpower is that he's rich. We all get that. But my fundamental problem with Superman is that he was designed to be perfect, and perfect is a non-existent ideology, you know? This idea. I mean, he's not perfect because he obviously has the weakness of kryptonite, but it's like you overpower a person and there's no way they can't become corrupted at some point. I've just never really clicked with Superman. It's just too much. Whereas, I guess, <laughs> the more brooding, melancholic side of me 
has always been a fan of Batman, but I like Batman from a different perspective as an older person now because it's a sort of real beacon of of triumph, of hopefulness, of optimism over tragedy, you know. And yes, being a millionaire might help you in that sense in terms of getting the equipment, getting yourself kitted out to sort of challenge those demons. But the, the core ideology of Batman is great. You know, it's somebody that maybe doesn't toe the line, is a little bit of an outsider, doesn't exactly play by the rules, but is somebody that has faced personal tragedy, has faced trauma and demons, and made that the the catalyst to become a better person and to do better by people around him. So, yeah, Batman, every time. Do you think you've achieved the goals you set yourself when you first began your podcast? Um, that's actually a really good question. Yes, I do. I wanted to create something that would allow me to learn more primarily and give me an outlet, give me a, a vessel to throw my creative uh, juices into, you know, to, to kind of really sink my teeth into and, and do something and make something from scratch. That's, that's one of the biggest joys in life, right? When you start with nothing and then you make something and you can always build on that. You can always grow it and you can always evolve it and take it in different places and move it elsewhere. But to see something formed where there was nothing is, is truly one of life's greatest joys. Um, and really, that was my ultimate goal was to actually make something. But something that I was first and foremost interested in myself because I could do uh, I could do a podcast about something I, that is popular, that is sort of centered in a particular field or a certain industry. I really have no desire or push or passion for, but I, I, I made something that constantly takes me in different directions, that is constantly learning me new things, that is allowing me to open doors that I, I kind of knew a little bit about or had no idea even existed. So, yeah, I mean, very simple goals. I mean, we all want to do well, anyone that does this, or wants to get good metrics, as it were, but you can get too tied up on that and you can get too attached to certain numerical goals and that goes outside of podcasting you know we all live life by certain metrics you've got to earn a certain amount of money you've got to be a certain weight you've got to achieve a certain amount of things by a certain age metrics really rule and govern what we do in so many different areas so I'm trying not to get attached to metrics and just enjoy what I'm doing and that was the primary goal make something that I would enjoy first and foremost and that would allow me to learn different things and, again, hopefully allow people to connect to something or feel seen or feel some sort of reflection of who they are or what they're interested in. So, yeah, I think so. I think I've achieved my goals so far. Your podcast explores the mysteries and meaning of life. How do you define your life? Oh, my goodness. Wow. Um, <laughs> congratulations, V. That may be one of the best questions I think I've been asked, period. Um, how do I define my life? As a series of sequences, um, I have a theory, and it'd be interesting to know what listeners would identify as. I have a theory. It's a really simplified one, but I think it works. I think there are two types of people. There are lines and there are circles. And I think lines are people that see their life as one continuous stretch, one continuous journey with fluctuations, with movements, 
um, with different sort of slants and, and different directions, but it's one continuous unbroken line. Circles are people like me. I identify as a circle according to my own theory, as someone who sees life in stages, in sequences, in moments. And for me, that's what life is. It is a series of moments. It's like a movie. It's as cliche as it sounds, it is like a movie. It's like a series of sequences and sets and scenes. And all of those scenes are comprised of several different takes and different angles and different deliveries, you know. And for me, my life is, is that. I have no idea what it holds in the future. That's something I have struggled with and grappled with. Something I'm trying to let go of a little bit as I'm trying to let go of things that have happened in the past. And I'm trying to just live in the moment, in the now. Because ultimately that's all we have. That's all that's guaranteed, is now. So, yeah, my life is a series, a sequence of nows. And I'm just trying to enjoy the, the most current incarnation of it. That's all the questions completed. How did you find the experience? I thought it was wonderful. I thought it was a really interesting mix of questions, given the eclectic nature um, of what I do on my show. I really sort of genuinely appreciate and respect the eclectic nature of your questions. Very wonderful. Thank you again, Mal, for being a guest on Podcaster. It was nice to meet you. It was lovely to meet you too, V. Thank you for listening to this episode of Podcaster. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate and review. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PodcasterPod. This podcast was brought to you by the Chancer Collective. Take care and until next time, goodbye.